Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. He's the front of the plate. He is. Nice. Nice run. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host Jason down in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsorship partners here in the Tampa Bay area and around the country. Beefo Brady's here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Home Slice Pizza here in Tampa. Hank's Barbecue. Titan Home Lending for all of your home mortgage needs. Star Alvarado's, our realtor for the Powers on Sports podcast. And Print and Marketing Solutions over in Carrollwood off of Gun Highway and Lineball. My guy Todd Tedesco for all of your uh, signage and paper needs, banners, signs, road signs as election day is getting closer and closer. The midterm elections here coming up in a couple of weeks. So um, thanks to all of our partners. We really appreciate your support as part of the podcast. Got a good podcast for you this week. We've got two guests. We're going to talk to Chris Perez, our baseball guy here in the playoffs as we approach the World Series starting on Friday. Got the Phillies and the and the um, Houston Astros. Chris and I are going to break down the World Series. We're going to look back at the Championship Series a little bit. Future of Aaron Judge in New York. Um, just and break down the entire series for you and give you some predictions. So, uh, good good chat with Chris. We're also going to talk with Chris about some college football. He's a big college football guy too. So we're going to break down and figure out who he th- who he likes as his college football playoff team. Some big matchups coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So you'll enjoy our chat with Chris. Also going to talk to Ian Hest from down in the Miami area. Ian covers all things, all all sports Miami. We're going to talk about the struggles of the Hurricanes in year one Mario Cristobal. Tua's return for the Dolphins. We're going to talk World Cup. He's a big soccer guy. We're going to talk the United States national team. We're going to talk the MLS. Uh, Semifinals are upon us here for the MLS Cup. And we're also going to talk the managerial hire for the Miami Marlins. And just to give you a heads up, uh, Mr. Hest predicted who he thought was going to get the job before the news was broken. So you'll enjoy our chat with Ian about all things South Florida sports. And a note to the coach in Miami, Mr. McDaniel, kicked the field goal on Sunday night against Pittsburgh when you're up six points late third quarter and don't go for it. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Sports. Love to hear your feedback, any comments. Remember to reach. I'll put the uh, the podcast on the on my Twitter handle as well. So give us a retweet if you don't mind, and you can find all of our all of our interviews for all of my three podcasts that I do on my YouTube channel, the Jason Powers Sports Channel. Remember, I do the uh, obviously the Powers on Sports podcast. I also host the No Quarter Given podcast, which is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers centric podcast with my host Peter, my co-host Peter Blake, and I also host the Florida Football Insiders podcast, which is part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, where we talk all things state of Florida college football. So definitely uh, give us a retweet if you don't mind. We'd love to hear you. Uh, tell our tell all of your friends and uh, followers 
to take give us a listen. I think you'll really get a lot of knowledge out. We try to do a good job each week giving you some new nuggets, whether it's NFL, college football, uh, you know, the baseball playoffs, whatever's going on in the world, we world of sports, we try to give you some nuggets. So uh, before we get to Chris and Ian, a couple notes as we get into the week here. Interesting note that Jim Nance stepping down after this year from the from his NCAA college basketball duties doing the Final Four. Ian Eagle's going to take over to work with uh, Bill Raftery. What a career for Nance. He's still going to be doing golf in the NFL for CBS, but he's going to relinquish his NCAA uh, basketball duties. So Ian Eagle will step in and do a great job. He does a really good job on the hoops, uh, both NBA and college. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's an interesting nugget out of uh, the broadcasting world. If you saw earlier in the week on Tuesday, Brittany Griner's appeal in Russia was denied. She's going to stay in jail. That's not a surprise. You can't. We, uh, Brittany Griner will not come home, unfortunately. She will sit in prison over in Russia until the U.S. and Russia come to a deal as far as a prisoner swap. I know the government, U.S. government has made a couple of offers so far. But that she will, she will sit in a, a jail cell, unfortunately, until there is a deal struck to, to, to uh, for a prisoner swap. I know Russia wants one of these uh, missile uh, guys that, that sells missiles, armed missiles, to all these different countries um, to be part of the deal. So we'll see if that when, when and if that happens uh, with Putin and Biden are able to come to an agreement. But again, unfortunate news for Brittany Griner and her family. She's, uh, you know, that was all a formality today, that, you know, that she was going to, her, her her appeal was going to get denied. That was never going to get it. Uh, that was never going to happen. So uh, just be thinking for Brittany Griner sitting in jail in Russia as we head to the uh, winter months. A uh, couple notes, Matt Ryan benched by the Indianapolis Colts. Sounds like Sam Ellinger is getting the nod for the rest of the year. Matt has just not played very well with the Colts. I know he has a little bit of an injury now, but... Frank Reich made it pretty apparent they're going to give Sam Ellinger every chance to play the rest of the year. So I think he'll be the starter. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't shock me if he gave him a little spark. Again, he's a younger guy. He's mobile. You might see a little more RPO stuff out of the Colts. Their, their running game has not been good. The passing game has not been great with Matt Ryan either. That team has been a little bit of a disappointment so far this year. But again, we'll see what Sam Ellinger can do in Indianapolis. Uh, Matt Ryan, probably the end of the road here for Matt as a starter. We'll see what he decides to do following the year. If he decides to retire, great career. But again, Matt Ryan benched Indianapolis. Got a budding little quarterback controversy up in New England, potentially. Mac Jones comes back Monday night against the Bears. Only plays like three or four series and gets gets removed. Zappi comes in, scores two quick touchdowns. Doesn't do much in the second half. The Colts, I mean, the Patriots get thumped by the Bears in a big surprise on Monday Night Football. Justin Fields played really well. But be interesting to see what happens in New England. Do they go with back to Mac Jones coming off of an injury, or do they stick with Zappi, who's gave him a little bit of a spark? Uh, be very interesting to see what the Colts or what the Patriots do and Belichick does here. Again, remember back 20 years ago, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. Come in some sixth-round draft pick named Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, and he never looked back. So be interested to see what happens with Zappi um, if he gets an opportunity up in New England. So as they head to the New York Jets in an interesting game this weekend. How about the struggles of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Brady right down here where I'm at here in Tampa. That Buck offense has just continued to struggle. The defense hasn't been much better. They laid a complete egg on Sunday in Carolina. 
You know, obviously, uh, Ed, Mike Evans drops the touchdown pass in the third or fourth play of the game. Could have changed the entire fortune of that game. They doesn't make the play. The Bucks just continue to struggle offensively and defensively. Don't know what's going on internally there, but they, they got to figure it out. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Another loss in Washington to the Commanders, to Taylor Heineke. Give him credit. Uh, but again, just no continuity on offense with, with that uh, Packer offense. Wide receivers got no confidence with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Again, the defense in Green Bay has been disappointing too. We thought that was going to be a big defense. And through seven weeks, they've not been very good. They are 3-4 and four, and they head to Buffalo Sunday night. And they are 11-point underdogs going to Buffalo coming off a bye week. Biggest point spread underdog in the Aaron Rodgers era. So it'll be very interesting to see how they react on Sunday night in Buffalo for if you're the Green Bay Packers. Um, very interesting. It'll be, be very interesting to see what happens there. Also, Russell Wilson didn't play last week. They play in London this week against Jacksonville. Had a hamstring injury. Again, all kind of reports coming out of there that they might be looking to shop a couple of their receivers, their younger guys, Hamler, Judy, not no chemistry, no camaraderie with Russell Wilson. You've heard various reports from some Seattle guys about the standoffishness of Russell Wilson as far as being able to talk to Russell back when he was in Seattle, having to go through managers to be able to place a phone call to Russell and all that stuff. So lots of blame to go around with Russell and the Broncos. They're struggling mightily. They lose again uh, on, uh, on Monday night against the Chargers. Then they lose again to the Jets with no Russell Wilson. Must-win game if you're the uh, Broncos in London. Again, lots of pressure building on Nathaniel Hackett. Is this guy the guy for the job? Uh, don't be surprised if he's one and done in Denver with that new ownership with the Waltons, which are the Walmart people, just bought the team. So lots of interesting brewings with some older quarterbacks around the league that are really struggling through seven weeks. Big trade, Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, we, they got traded late last week to the Niners by the Carolina Panthers. I think it's a good move for both teams. Carolina wasn't winning. McCaffrey wasn't going to do anything to help them win anytime soon. You get four draft picks for them, a two, three, and a four from the Niners. The Niners are clearly going for it. Again, I don't have any problem with them trading those picks to, to Carolina for McCaffrey. They needed a running back. So uh, good move as, as they'll incorporate McCaffrey more and more to that offense as we move along. So 30 days from the World Cup in Qatar. We're about a less than a month away. I think it starts Thanksgiving weekend in Qatar. First time the World Cup's being held kind of in this time of the year, the November-December window. It'll be very cool during the holidays that you're going to see World Cup games every day on Fox. USA, England, Wales, and Iran are in there are in a group together. Again, we're going to chat with Ian Hess. He's going to talk a little men's national team, talk about Burhalter and the team, and you'll get a little update there about what that's looking like. But that'll be cool during the uh, Thanksgiving weekend as well as in December uh, as we head towards the holidays, you'll have some World Cup action in Qatar. And last thing I want to get to before we get to our spots with Chris and Ian, the Lakers are off to a terrible start in the NBA. The worst shooting team in the league, one of the worst shooting three-point teams in the history of the league through three or four games. Russell Westbrook not playing very well. Nobody will take that guy. If you're the Lakers, if you're Darvin Ham and that management you cannot placate to Russell Wilson any longer. You have to bring him off the bench. Can't start the guy. He's just an absolute disaster as part of the starting lineup. 
Maybe you can get 12, 13 points a game out of them. Maybe you can get somebody to take them at the trade deadline for a salary cap dump. But again, Lakers are in a terrible start to start off the NBA season. Again, I'm not a huge NBA fan, and I won't pay attention to the NBA until probably after January. But the Lakers off to a miserable start with uh, LeBron, Anthony Davis, new coach, and Wes, Russell Westbrook. So see what everybody's got planned for Halloween this coming up Monday night. we got Monday night football in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Are you a Halloween dresser-upper? I'm really not much. I will probably do something a little bit on Saturday, maybe going to a little uh, show on Saturday night. But again, Halloween on Monday night will be pretty cool. Uh, all the kiddos, be safe out there. Costumes. Post some post some pictures on my Twitter handle, at Sports. Love to see you in your Halloween costumes and outfits and all that good stuff. So definitely shout out. Give me a shout out on Twitter, Sports. Again, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast if you haven't already done so. The podcast will pop up in your podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, um, whatever it is, you Pandora, whatever it is. If you subscribe, it'll pop up in your feed every week. Again, Florida Football Insiders, Powers on Sports Podcast, as well as No Quarter Given for all your podcast uh, needs with me throughout the week. We had some great interviews throughout the week. I try to get you some national guests, local guests, good information, good content as we head into the weekend. And again, uh, YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. If you want to see the video interviews that we're going to have with Chris, Ian Hest, we're going to talk to Jim. We talk to Jim Levitt every week. We're going to talk. We talk in a Florida, Georgia cocktail party on the Florida Football Insiders. We're going to have a Florida beat reporter. We're going to have a Georgia beat reporter. And we're also talking, uh, again, Buccaneers, Peter Blake and I. So appreciate the support. Appreciate our partners again, Beef O'Brady's. Hank's Barbecue, Home Slice Pizza Company, Print and Marketing Solutions, Star Alvarado, My Realtor, and Titan Home Lending. Give you a couple picks for the weekend as well. Leans. These are not in stone. These are my leans. I'm recording this early in the week. I like Tennessee in the NFL, minus two at Houston. I like the Colts with Sam Ellinger, minus the three against Washington. And I like South Carolina in the college football, minus four against Missouri at home. Beamer's doing a really good job at South Carolina. Got some spirit there. Got some good, a good little team they're putting together. So those are my leans as we head into the holiday, into the weekend. Not a great college football slate. we got a great slate coming up the following week. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee. So we got some huge national championship uh, playoff implicational kind of games in the SEC. So you'll enjoy those, and we'll talk to, we'll talk about all that stuff next week as well on the podcast. And again, enjoy Chris Perez and Ian Hest, our guests on the podcast. We enjoy your week, and we'll talk real soon. We'll be right back in just a minute with Chris Perez, two-time MLB All-Star closer, Cleveland Indians. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue for all of your restaurant needs. Anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, 
NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Uh, Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. All right, welcome back to, to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason. We're back again for our World Series preview with our man, Chris Perez, two-time MLB All-Star closer with the Cleveland Indians, also played for the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Um, great career for Chris. And we have gotten, we've got, we've started with, I believe, what do we start with? 14. We're down to two now. So we're down to two. Neither of our picks have made it, I don't believe. I think we had Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> we've had full carnage when it comes to the picks, but uh we have one chalk in the American League. The Houston Astros have taken care of business. They swept the Yankees. And then we have the uh, stunner of all stunners, the Phillies, the sixth seed in the in the National League, take care of the San Diego Padres in five games um, to set up a Philadelphia-Houston World Series. Welcome in, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's been weird over in the NL. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Let's 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 go to the championship series first, and then we'll get to the World Series. Let's go back to let's let's start in Philadelphia, the San Diego, Philadelphia. I mean, just um, I was I was really surprised that San Diego couldn't get at least one of those three games in Philadelphia. Yeah, same here. Uh, they kind of went in San Diego. Kind of went like I thought it would. Uh, I I said Philly would have a good chance tonight. First game, being on the road. Um, San Diego's bats just didn't show up really. I mean, uh, not like they did in the first two uh, series. Uh, I guess you have to give some credit to the uh, Phillies pitching. Um, you know, they're getting some really good, uh, their bullpen's coming together right at the right time. Uh, that's, that was a question mark most of the year, but now, uh, you know, the Alvarado's throwing good and, and they got, you know, Robertson in the back end and, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. And th- those guys are, are definitely on fire right now. Um, Ray, Rangar Suarez is, is coming out of the pen. He's making starts. He's doing it all too. So they're getting timely pitching from their bullpen, uh, just enough starting pitching and their hitting is definitely, uh, carrying them right now but uh they're hot yeah let's let's go to the game four the kind of the, the wildest game of that series first time in like 100 years that neither pitcher gets out of the first inning you know you have san diego scores four in the top of the first and then clevenger can't get it can't get a freaking out in the bottom of the first 
how demoralizing is that for a dugout when you guys, I mean, whether it's a playoff game or regular season, when you, when you go out and score four in the first in a big game and then your starting pitcher can't get a freaking out. It's, it's terrible. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you, you want to tell them you got one job, right? Like <laughs> you can't even get an out. Um, I think the moment just, uh, it just got, uh, it just got away from Clevenger. I mean, he's a good pitcher. He's, he's a veteran. He's been in the playoffs with the, with the guardians before, yeah. um, uh, you know, maybe it's just one of those things. It's unfortunate. You never want to see it in the playoffs, but if it's a regular season game, you know, he he probably stays in there and maybe figures it out and maybe, you know, goes four or five innings, gives up five runs or something, but you, you can't take that chance in the playoffs. You have to try to get somebody new in there. And uh, that game was back and forth all, all night. And then uh, obviously, you know, it ended the way it did, but um, I mean, this, that atmosphere in Philadelphia too, that it seems more like a football atmosphere than it does yeah. baseball. Those fans are, are definitely giving their home team some energy, and uh, it does make a difference. Uh, you know, players, we're, we're humans, right? And, and when you, you definitely want to play in a, the best atmosphere possible, and, 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 you know, when it's your home team and it's your home crowd, and, uh, you know, I can't imagine how loud it was when Bryce hit that home run in game five. And, and he, I mean, he showed, like, no emotions going around the bases either, uh, like a stone-cold killer. But, um I, I mean, those, those, that's, you know, those players have been waiting for that for their whole career and uh, to be able to perform at home like that, um, you know, they were over, able to overcome Nola's bad start. Uh, so that kind of, I mean, they, they did it all in that series. They played good defense. They, they had timely hitting. They hit, I mean, Swarber's bomb in that game one was, I mean, it was, a, it was I think it's a Petco record. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're all coming. It's kind of like the Braves, watching the Braves last year. Um, it's all coming together at the right time. You know, uh, the Braves, they had to replace their whole starting outfield last year. And then, you know, I don't think they got over 500 until midway through August. And then, uh, you know, they ended up winning the World Series. It's just They catch fire. Their bullpen was nasty last year, just like the, the Phillies is, is pitching this year. Um, so, you know, that's why baseball is such a great sport. You can't really – that's why they play the games. You know, they uh, even after 162 regular season games, you think you might know a team, and then all of a sudden for a month they get hot or, or, or they don't get hot, and, you know, you're either advanced or, or, you, or you're eliminated. So that's why playoffs are so fun. Managerial question for you. To me, game four, the game was such a wild back and forth. Even after it was 4-3, San Diego, it gets 4-4. San Diego Soto hits the homer to go up 6-4 in like the sixth inning. To me, that we, you and I have talked about this, Closing the game's not always in the ninth inning. To me, Suarez and Hayter had to be in that game when it's six to four or something earlier in that game. You can't wait to the eighth inning to get Suarez and Hayter in the game. To me, if you have to close the game in the sixth inning, you have to close the game in the sixth inning. Were you surprised that Suarez and Hayter, one of those two, weren't in the game earlier in the game, especially in that game four? Uh, I wasn't surprised about Hayter. He, he's more late in the game, but Suarez for sure. He's he's like your bridge, you know, like. You just like you say, the, it was a back and forth game, and, and they they blew the lead early, and then Soto hits a big bomb. You're like, all right, it feels like you know San Diego's going to take control of this game, and, you and leave that Manaya, was, and you leave Manaya in the game, right? Uh, you know that's what I mean. Like that, that, you would you would think like this is our you know especially game four. If we lose this, we're down three one. That's almost it's not yeah. as bad as down three zero, but it's almost as bad. So it's almost a must win, especially on the road. So you yeah. would think. That just to, to bridge you for the next one or two innings, you bring in Suarez, maybe your offense tacks on a couple more runs. Right, right. Now you're up four or five runs maybe because they were swinging it good. And, and and if you keep that lead, then that changes who the Phillies bring in. 
So, you, you know, just it's, it's, it's like I said last week, you can always have 2020 vision. Uh, but then Melvin made the same mistake the next game. Yes. He, he, didn't, he didn't bring in Hader to face Harper with the game on the line. I know it's the eighth inning, but now they're sitting at home. You know, like, I know it's uh, it's just one of those where I don't know if I don't know Bob Melvin personally, but maybe it, it, it's, one, you know, this is what we do all season. This is what got us here. Kind of like what we were talking about the Rays earlier in the playoffs, like when they pulled the uh, when they pulled um, Snell. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, do you switch it up and, and change it mid course? Because, you know, but you got obviously it didn't work out for him. I mean, uh, some big hits by the Phillies, and and I mean, uh, obviously you know uh, Reese Hoskins came through big, and then Harper in Game Five. So uh, that's when it comes down to execution. You know, if if Manaya goes out there and throws two or three more hit, hitless innings, then he's he's the stud of the of the playoffs for the Padres, right? Like that's the you know that's why when you're at, on that stage in that arena, you can be the the hero or you can be the zero and. Uh, the Phillies executed and got the hits when they needed off the guys, and then the Padres didn't. Yeah, it's it was too questionable bullpen. I mean, like I said, but but like yeah, I mean, you trade for Hater halfway through the year, like why, and if you're uh, gonna uh, get beat by Harper, it has to be by Hater. Harper is gonna be beat you. It's got to be lefty exactly. on lefty with it's your number be. one guy. And they were even saying that in the, during the broadcast, like Harper was getting closer to that fastball, and, and I think it was Frank Gore or somebody who was like. You know, he needs to get it higher, you know, or maybe not Frank Court. It was the other broadcast. Ron he, Darling. It was Ron Darling saying, he, you know, he's, he's flirting with danger. He needs to get that about higher than the belt. And then, boom, it was there. And he didn't miss it. And I know Suarez has had a good year as a, as a setup guy, but Hater's your number one guy. Left, and he's lefty on lefty, which is a little bit of an advantage as well. And that's a must win. Like, that's a win yes. It's There's no chances for second guessing, you know, like, like the Astros – uh, to, on the counterpoint, they're up 3-0. They leave, they leave McCullers in the, you know, five, six innings. He gave up four or five runs, but they can afford to do that because they had that exactly. three-game run, that three game cushion. When It's an elimination game. Like, there's there's no coming back tomorrow. So, Hader, Hader didn't even get in the last two games. Like, it's just – Crazy. It's, it's almost like – I think it was like five or six years ago the Braves got eliminated and Kimbrell was warming up in the bullpen back when he was unhittable. Yeah. And they gave up a big bomb in the eighth inning. I think it was Carpenter. David Carpenter gave up a big bomb while they had Kimbrel warming up. He didn't even yep. get in the game. So like yep. use your bullets, you know, I mean, you can figure out the night, you know, if you bring in hater there in the eighth, you get out of it, then you figure out the ninth, you know, right. and then if you lose that way, well, at least you use your best bullets and you go down swinging all the, you know, all the cliches, but I'm sure that's, they're definitely second guessing themselves in their, uh, their internal meetings this week. All right. The so Philadelphia wins four games to one. Let's go to Houston and, and the Yankees. Not that the Yankees, not that we expect the Yankees to win the series, but I think everybody was a little surprised they got swept. Uh, Houston, again, like just what a experienced nose to the grindstone kind of team. I mean, they they don't have the best offense in the world, but they get timely hits. They got Bregman or Alvarez, Altuve. I mean, those guys, and Altuve's really not even hitting. To be honest with you, this kid Pena, the shortstop, is is really was was MVP of this championship series. Just your overall thoughts of the of the Astro roster. Uh, honestly, I hadn't seen him play that much this year. You know, being in the AL West, I, you know, I saw a couple of games on on the national broadcast. They're they're a, a much better team than I than I thought. You know, they play yeah. great defense. Uh, they're they're kind of selfless. They don't really they, they pass the baton. They don't really have to be the hero every night, and that, yeah. that takes a lot of pressure off them. Uh, you mentioned all their hitters. You left out Guriel. He's a solid solid hitter. Like Tucker's just, a good Tucker's a good player. Tucker's, yeah, they're just they're just solid. I mean, uh, they even have. Uh, Mancini hasn't even gotten a hit for him and he's the four hole hitter for the Orioles most of the year. So like 
they're just they're just put together pretty well. Their their bullpen is better than I gave them credit for. Uh, they're kind of like the Rays, you know. Um, they get guys from other teams and then they figure out what they do best and they accentuate it. Like uh, Nary's Hector Nary's was was with the Phillies. Nothing special, you know. Always had a great arm, but but his numbers were nothing special. Goes over to Houston. They're like, well, why don't you throw your fastball a little more and I'll make your splitter better. And boom, now he's a uh, shutdown. You know, he could close games for some teams now. So they, they have everything going on. They got the mojo. Um, they're getting different con- contributions on every night. You know, right. Al- Alvarez was hot dur- earlier during this, the playoffs against the Mariners. And now this last series, Pena had the big home runs against the Yankees. Bregman hit uh, the bomb. Bregman got a big hit against the Yankees, too, in that, that elimination game. He, he actually got the go-ahead go RBI in right field, if you remember. And, yeah, I mean, that. and the scary thing is Altuve, who's like the, the postseason, you know, MVP for them the last four, five, six years, however long this run's been, he hasn't even gotten started yet, which is scary. If, you, if you're the Phillies coming in, you're like, geez, man, these guys have – and they haven't lost a game. Yeah. I mean, they're 7-0, 7-0 in the playoffs. Um you know, Verlander looked look like Verlander in game one last series. Uh, McCullers is a, is a solid. He's got tons of playoff pitching experience. Um, the Christian the, Javier guys pitched the Yankee Stadium twice this year, and they've no hit him, and they've given up one hit in the two games he started. So that, that's, that tells you he's got some ice water in his veins. So um, coming into this series, they have to be the favorite. I mean, right? they have home field advantage. They won 111 games during the regular season. They have a great manager who's been through it all and it would really be, you know, they, they have all the storylines, really. The Phillies are trying to play, you know, uh, up underdog and upset dog, but uh, all the storylines are with the Astros. Uh, the cheating scandal, right. uh, being able to come back from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, rolling into the World Series, they got to be feeling pretty good. Uh, they're not tired. I mean, they played seven games in three weeks almost. So, uh, <laughs> they're definitely uh, set up to the best. But, uh, like I said, that's why they play the games. You never know. Um Bryce Harper could have an all-time series, and then we're talking about him being one of the best players ever and winning a World Series, and the Phillies come out of nowhere. So, uh, But I do give the, ed- the edge to the Astros. Let's go to the Yankee side of things. Again, obviously, the Yankees were kind of a feast or famine team all year, either hit the home run or they don't. You know, Bader played really well in the series, but other than that, not a lot of production out of Judge or Stanton. They had some injuries, no LeMahieu, no Benintendi, which would have helped. Um, talk about – you know, Garrett Cole, again, you can question what is Aaron Boone taking Garrett Cole out of the game too early? I know they were losing, but still he's your number one horse. Do you take him out of the game? Just your thoughts about the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees are who we thought they were. I feel like, uh, yeah. you know, the last the last two, three months of the season, they played pretty much 500 baseball. Um, you know, their offense the, the last decade or so is built on the homer. You know, they don't really have guys that set the table too well with speed or, or like the Guardians have that that are contact guys that get on base. They have guys that work counts. Right. They might walk. They hit doubles and home runs. And, and that's hard to do in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you need you need those guys, those those Bregmans that will go the other way that, that gets a hit or, or uh, you know, Gurriel that that just, you know, takes what the pitchers give you. Um and the Yankees also, they were, I mean, if you look in that series, they were changing their lineup too. They, they For a team that had almost 90, 100 wins, right? They, they had so many question marks coming in. I mean, you know, Kiner Falefa was in shortstop. He wasn't at shortstop. Osvaldo uh, Cabrera played shortstop for game four. Like the, the leadoff hitter was always different. It started with Judge. And then by the end of it, it, it was it was Harrison Bader just because he was the only one hitting really. Right. So, I, I mean, for, for a payroll the size of them and, 
they have a lot of holes, and this offseason is going to be very interesting for them. Um, you know, Garrett Cole. Pitched- you think does Boone survive? <sighs> Me personally, as a player, I would think I think he should. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had a great season if you on paper. You know, I mean, and then you always have to ask who else is out there. You know, New York's not the easiest market to manage in. Sure. Uh, he he played there. Now he's managed there for four or five years. Like I, I would keep him. I mean he's actually done well for what they have. Like they've had so many injuries up and down their roster. Um, I think that's what they're undoing was this year, honestly, was, was their bullpen injuries. You know, you lose a Chad green. That's, that's a hard guy to replace. Um, they had, they had guys come and go that did a good job, but they they were, you know, Clay Holmes had a great season, but he's unproven. Right. Um, and he's not the reason they lost, but just little, you know, LeMahieu not being in there. He's one of those hitters that makes that lineup deeper. Chapman, that, you know, Chapman melting down, Chapman with a meltdown, Chapman the field, not, not, not being with the team. There was just a lot of distractions and uh, unfortunately it caught up to him. Garrett Cole, he's a great pitcher. He, he wasn't that locked down, you know, one run ace like the Phillies have with Wheeler and, right. and that have with Verlander and, and uh, Valdez and Javier. So, I mean, like I said, the Yankees are who we thought they were. Uh, the games were close. I mean, they battled. You know, they're they're a professional team. Uh, and when you have Judge, I think <laughs> a couple swings, a couple uh, a couple win, you know, shifts here and there, and it might be a different series. You know, that that game three in Houston, he, he almost tied it up in the eighth up against right. the wall. Right. Game four, game four at, at in Houston or in, in the Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, he he almost hit it out again. So yeah. yeah. He's, he's a scary player, but they did a good job of keeping him in check. And, and the Astros, I mean, they swept him. So that's pretty much, you know, that doesn't leave a lot of room for, for interpretation of who's the better team there. <laughs> right. All right, the $350 million question, has Judge played his last game in New York? Do you think he's going to – or do you really think he's seriously looking at leaving? I mean, if, if you're the Yankees, you can't let him leave. I mean, he's a he's a generational talent. He just beat, beat the all-time home run record for the AL. Right. Uh, you know, if you take him off that team, like what kind of what kind of identity do they have? You know, like they're uh, I can't even think. they don't have one, right? He he is the Yankees right now. Um, you know, I think he I think he wants to stay. He uh, I'm I'm not is is Boris his agent? I'm not sure. Somebody's gonna make him a huge offer. The Giant. A lot of people think the Giants potentially. Somebody's going to make him a big offer that the Yankees are going to have to match, I think. And he is a California boy. Right. Uh, he went to Fresno State out there, so he is a right. Bay Area kind of guy. Uh, the Giants have a lot of money. They've been kind of sitting back the last couple of years. Uh, I know they had a good year two years ago. This year, not so much. But, I mean, he's just – he's just he looks like he, he is a Yankee in my mind. You know, like right. uh, there's no better city to be playing like he is than New York. It's a different – it's a different atmosphere, you know, like – uh, he he could walk anywhere to Manhattan right now, and, and and you know, pretty much he has he has a city. You know, don't be surprised if the Mets make a big run at him too. <laughs> I heard that earlier with, this week too. I mean, with the owner and be... the new owner in New York, the Mets. I know oh. uh, he'll spend some money. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. You know, he he's uh, in, in recent memory he's played the best that anybody I can remember. He bet on himself huge. Yeah, and won. I mean. I don't think he could have had a better season except maybe win the world series. And then, right. you know, then he would have even more leverage, but I definitely think the Yankees are going, are, are going to, I think they're going to make an offer pretty much. Like you said, they're going to see what comes through and then they're going to make a, 
a serious. Uh, they're they're going. They have to keep him. I mean, I would think. The, I, if I, I don't even know where the fans would do. Like like I said, there's no. They have no identity without him right now in this era of Yankees baseball. He is the Yankees. They have a lot of question marks. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe he looks, sits down and says, you know, this team's got a lot of holes. And if I take, you know, suck in 30, $300 million, where do we go? You know, right. we need, we right. need another pitcher. We need a shortstop. We need, they have a lot of holes. A lot. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals made that decision with pool holes and they, they let did. them walk. They did. And, and it, I think it turned out for the best for the Cardinals. Uh, they saved all that money. You know, they still made the playoffs year in year out. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Yankees are different though. That's a different me- media market too. And, so. and the other thing people don't realize judge is not 27, 28. He's 30. Oh, no. So yeah. he's going to want, he's going to want nine to 10 years. Do you, I mean, are you going to commit to him to 41 years old? Exactly. And you know, that's a big guy. That's a lot of back that, that could go wrong. And you know, when you get older, you start having those hamstring issues. He's been injured in the past before, yep. uh, you know, coming off a, a year that he played mostly in the outfield, which usually he DHs. So, Yep. Maybe that maybe that take it, took an extra toll on his body. Uh, yeah, he's definitely peaking right now. So you're buying at the top. Um, you know, if, I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, if you take away the hearts and everything, I'm sure if you sit down, the Yankees will say we would be a better team in four or five years if we don't sign him. Right. But how do you explain that to the fans who buy the tickets? You know, like we just got rid of the guy that just hit. You know, I mean, he he won the home run crown by like 20 home runs in the whole league. Like. And especially when you know the Mets are coming, it's not like the Mets are in the in the in the toilet. The Mets are coming, and they're probably one or two guys away from being winning a World Series. And that and that owner's not going to stop spending money. Like right. he he's like the Dodgers. Like it, he's he's going to win eventually. Right. Uh, how much will it cost them? But yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you have to win that city, right? How bad would it look if he, if he left for the Yankees to go right across town to the Mets? Like wow, right. I mean, like if the Mets outspend the Yankees in an offseason like that, that's just like the Yankee fans have to come with a lot of different realities. Then, like we're not, it's not the same Steinbrenner Yankees. You're right. All right, let's go to the world. Let's let's go to the. Give me a prediction here. World Series starts Friday, which again, you you got another five day layoff, which could be an, a factor. It's going to be good that both teams can set up their pitching perfectly, no issues with the pitching, but five days off. You expect that to, to curtail the hitting a little bit. Hot, Harper's been scorching hot. Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, especially with the Philly hitters, they've been they've been really hot. Yeah, I think the, I think the layoff definitely affects the hitting more than it does the pitching. Uh, Verlander this time of year, thirty nine years old, he can use the extra day for sure. Wheeler, you know, he's been throwing a lot of pitches, high leverage. He, he yeah. can use an extra couple of days for sure. So Alvarado it's definitely get some time off for sure. All those, yeah, all the bullpen guys. I mean, well, the Astros are actually doing all right, even though they cover that 18 inning game uh, with the Mariners. They're actually doing pretty good. But the, Philly, the Phillies needed the Phillies. Time. Yeah, Sir Anthony's been used a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's going to help the pitching for sure. Uh, just get healthy and feel good. Uh, hitting wise, you know, you want when you're in that zone, you want to you want a double header the next day. You want to get those at bats. You know, you, the last thing you want is to have a five day layoff where you're not seeing live pitching and not getting that adrenaline going. So um, what do you got? What, what do, what do they do? Give us a little behind the scenes. When you have a situation like this, do they bring in a minor league guy to throw batting practice to the guys? I mean, what do they do to give them as close to live pitching as you can? That's exactly what they do. Uh, either a minor league guy or somebody that's on the, the, I guess they call it the taxi squad now, in case, you know, if an injury happens, you can, you can bring in somebody. So yeah, somebody that just missed the, uh, the playoff roster, some, 
either a starter, maybe your number five starter. Yeah. You do like it's, you do live BP and basically here it is, you know, but it's not the same, you know, like, right. You're not, you're not, you're not getting those inside fastballs like you are in a real games. You don't want to hit them and and you don't have that intensity and there's no fans in the stands. So it's kind of like a spring training, you know, first couple weeks you're out there facing the hitters live BP. And, but I mean, you have to keep your eyes sharp if you're a hitter. So it's hard. That's that's got to be one of the hardest things they're going to go through right now is that layoff. From a from a pitching perspective, are you guys throwing a couple days during this five day layoff? To would you, do you have somebody just standing in the box and you're just throwing pitches to work on different stuff, or do you, what do you guys what are you guys doing? Honestly, everyone's different. Uh, it, it depends on your workload. You know, if you, if you've been used five out of seven games, or if you right. pitch every game of the playoffs, you probably don't want to. You know, you might throw a. You might face a batter or two on a, on Tuesday or Wednesday and then take the next couple of days kind of slow. Uh, if you haven't been used as much, you might be one of those guys that are throwing that, you know, that, that, that scrimmage game. Um, okay. Everyone's different. And, and at this time of year, everyone's hanging different too. So, uh, you know, Javier might be a little more tired. You know, he's a young guy. It's just really his first time going so deep in the playoffs. He probably might throw a bullpen. And then, you know, play catch and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't need any more. Verlander, 39 years old. Uh, he probably, he's probably not facing hitters in, during the week. Uh, he might throw, a, you know, two bullpens to get ready just to keep that arms, arm, you know, looped up, as they say. But um, everyone's different. Every team's different. Um, you know, the, the Phillies have a lot more inexperience in the playoffs right now. So, um, you know, they're not used to pitching this late in the year. They might not have any of their guys facing hitters. They might just have them kind of resting up and, and getting ready for the battle. All right. Who you like? I'm going to go. My predictions have been so bad. Uh, I'm going to go with the Astros four games to two. Okay. I think the Phillies sneak it out somehow. They kind of have the mojo going, especially at home. Uh, but the Astros are just too deep. And, uh, you know, any night it could be somebody else that, that gets the game winning hit or the game winning home run. Phillies, it's a little more top heavy. The bottom of the order has been doing well. Stott's gotten some hits for them. Yeah. Um, Segura has been is a solid pro. Uh, bomb bombs solid, but I mean it's basically Harper, Schwarber, and Hoskins right now providing the power. So uh, I'm gonna go with the Astros uh, four games to two. Um, I think it's Dusty's year. It's kind of like I mean it's the feel good story. He's been around so long. He's been so close management wise. Uh, he I think it's his year. Uh, Verlander they're just loaded. They they got a lot of options. Um, and you never know who's going to be the star. You always need somebody to step up that you're not thinking of, and they have a lot of options that can do that. Even on the bench, Chas McCormick, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Trey Mancini could come in and have a huge pinch hit home run or something. So uh, I, I just think they have more options. I'm going the other way. I'm going Philadelphia. Yeah. I think the mojo at home. I think uh, the man with the, with the interim manager, he's coming and just turned the entire culture around after replacing Girardi. I'm going Phillies in six. I think Harper's going to do the MVP. Six. Um, All right. Yeah, I think it's. I, I I haven't believed in Philadelphia the whole time. I mean, I've been I've I've bet against them every every series, but I, something about that crowd, oh something about Harper with that with that team and Schwarber. I'm going to take the Phillies and Rob Thompson in six games. Well, you got your Phillies red shirt on, so that should have given it away. <laughs> and uh, you would have made some money too, but taking yeah, the opposite know, of what right? I pick, taking the opposite of what I pick. So that's not Jeez. a bad pick, I guess. I also have a little heart. I mean, uh, I, the first base coach for the Phillies is uh, an ex-college teammate of mine. His name is Paco Figueroa. So if they would okay, win, cool. you know, that wouldn't be so bad. At least I know somebody that's going to win. But um, it's going to be interesting. You know, that, it's baseball. You know, it's uh, 
That's why they play the games. And and Wheeler's you're gonna you're gonna face Wheeler two or maybe three times in a series. Right. Uh, you know, this, I think he's gonna come back on short rest. It's the World Series. Um, Nola's looking for a bounce back. Uh, maybe Syndergaard steps up. You know, he, right. he's he's been in the World Series before with the Mets, so. Uh, maybe he throws a gym out of nowhere that nobody's expecting. And, and, you know, maybe they can get it done. We'll see. We will see. We will see. All right. Speaking <laughs> of your, speaking of your former teammate, your hurricanes are sucking and blowing right now down in Miami. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, Mario and out. company, man. Oh, this was a, I thought it was a baseball podcast. He's bringing <laughs> eight, tur- eight turnovers against Duke. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, uh, Duke's a smart school. Maybe they, you know, they, they, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like, uh, now I just want to see how bad it can go. Maybe, you know, flush out everything, but I thought that's what we did last year. Dang. You know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not looking good. Uh, not the first year that Mario wants down there, uh, in the way Miami fans are, we're so, we're so fair weather. Like I, I actually feel bad to see what the sands look like in the next couple of games. It's going to yeah. be embarrassing. And that, that affects recruiting, you know, like, you know, the SEC schools, they may have a bad year, but those people, those those stands are still full. They're still getting a, a great game experience. It's just a tough situation. Uh, we were talking a little before this started. Uh, all of Florida right now is kind of kind of struggling in that football uh, aspect. Uh, with the NILs and, and the way the TV is now, you can play anywhere and get into the NFL. You know, if you're from small town and, you know, Alabama, small town Alabama, you have three schools within two-hour driving distance where you can go play and get oh, yeah. drafted. It wasn't like that 15, 20 years ago. So times have changed in Florida. Unfortunately, uh, we haven't kept up. That's right. All right, who you, real quick, who you like in the uh, national ch- college football playoff, top three or four teams, who you like? Well, obviously Georgia is, is I think, right now ahead of the class. Uh, their their schedule is tough, though, so they can still get a couple losses here if they don't bring their game. Uh, Clemson, Go down with Tennessee next week. That's a, that's a big one. Then they also have the SEC championship game. and. Right. and uh, you know, Florida, I don't think Florida's going to give them a problem this week, but uh, you never know. Uh, you know, ten, Tennessee, they score. They score a lot. And SEC's not used to that. They're not used to having to outscore opponents. They're, they're used to having to out-defense opponents. So, um, it, that's a big game. That's that's might be the game of the year in the SEC so far. Um, other than that, I mean, if you look at the, at the schedules, Clemson really hasn't they, – they've gone through the teeth of their schedule pretty much. Right. right. Miami's not going to give them a problem. Uh Clemson, have, I, Clemson can't win it all because of the quarterback. They I might make the playoff, but they can't win it all. I don't think. No, no, the wild cards that rook that that freshman they have. If uh, they go I, to him, if they go to him, I think Dabble would. Uh, you remember a couple years ago at halftime, Saban switched up the quarterbacks yep. and asked yep. the championship. I think Dabble. Uh, he coached under Saban. He's yep. same. He, he's got some, almost some of those same kind of qualities. If 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 Ugu Ala, like, starts struggling a little bit and right. you know maybe the ACC championship game, watch out for that freshman. Right. Um, Who you like? Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan. I like Michigan better. Uh, I, especially with those Big Ten, you know, all the games are outdoors. The weather comes into it. Ohio State's offense usually gets throttled down in those kind of situations. Yeah. Michigan's def- Michigan's defense is, is legit. They got NFL guys. Um, they have just enough on offense. I feel like to get it done so my my playoff teams would be georgia uh clemson i'm gonna go with michigan i think they're gonna get out of there with out of the big 10 and then i think another sec team either a one loss tennessee or or one or one loss alabama um you know if tennessee beats georgia 
and gets the SEC championship game and Alabama runs beats the schedule Tennessee and beats Tennessee and beats Tennessee, then we have, you know, three one loss SEC teams possibly. That'll be crazy. That, That'll be that, crazy. That's tough. And, and they're all argue, three not making it. They're all three not making it. All three are not going to make unless you have a two loss Big Ten team, maybe. Maybe like you mentioned. That ain't, that ain't, yeah, they're not making it. Three SEC teams ain't making it. Three, three one loss SEC teams should make it. Like that's the playoff. Those teams are the best in the country if, if that's what happens. Can TCU um, get out of the Big 12 undefeated? I, I, I say no. There's okay. always those, there's always one of those wild games where the, the Big 12's nuts. I mean, yeah. The games could be like 17-16 and double overtime, or it could be like 75 to 68. Like, yeah. It's like some some weeks the, the defensive coordinators don't show up or something. But TCU, they look good. Uh, I haven't actually looked at the rest of their schedule. Um, they're going to have to go undefeated. There's no way a yeah. one-loss right. Big 12 team can compete with a one-loss SEC team or even a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss Ohio State. I just don't see it happening. Um out west, I mean USC that they, they stubbed their toe big time. Yeah, uh, Oregon look good against UCLA, but they're not going to make it with the Georgia. They're not going Georgia. Yeah, we already saw that game. You know, like I know, I know it was the beginning of the year, but we already saw that playoff game and they got right. smacked. It wasn't even competitive. Right. Um, I don't think they get another chance. Unfortunately, uh, that's just how it is. SEC's. I mean, yep. it's the king. It, it really is. They're going to get two spots. It's what the other two spots are going to be, I think. Exactly. And I just think Clemson, they started in the top five, and, yeah. and they haven't lost. And, and you know, they might have a close game here and there, but they pull it out, and their defense is legit. Yeah, uh, They're going to get their chance. And then, obviously, the Big Ten, uh, it's just their strength of the schedule is better, and they it. play better defense. That's, those are my picks. All right, buddy. Great job, man. Appreciate the time during the baseball playoffs. Man, you did a great job. We'll get you back on even when it's not baseball season because you know your sports, man. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. School All right, bye. Chris. Have a great week, man. You too. Are you ready to profit this NFL and college football season? Do you need picks to profit with your sports gambling outlet? Reach out to Picks to Profit at 813-542-7559. One flat monthly fee of $100. No more, no less. You will receive six picks every week of the college football and NFL season. Point spreads, totals, prop plays, teasers, maybe even a parlay. You'll get all six picks emailed and texted straight to your mobile device on game day. Let us do the work while you profit. Picks to profit, 813-542-7559. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, 
you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast presented by Beefo Brady's. Beef's on uh, the corner of Himes Avenue and Bush Boulevard here in the, in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa. Definitely come out out to Beef's. Uh, we'll be out there Thursday night for the Bucks ravens Do a little pregame, a little halftime uh, uh, broadcast for you and chatter. So Beef O'Brace for all of your uh, sports watching needs, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, soccer. We're even going to talk some soccer with my man Ian Hess. World Cup coming up in November. Uh, MLS playoffs are winding down. So definitely uh, go to Beef's for all your sports viewing pleasure. So want to welcome in Ian Hest. He's a, a reporter down in Miami. He covers all things my, South Florida sports. Welcome back to the podcast, Ian. Thanks, man. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Let's start off with the Canes. Oh, what a last time! Work. Last time we talked, they were three and zero heading to Texas A and M, and now it's three and four and full dumpster fire in progress. Eight turnovers over the weekend against Duke. Another bad loss at home. What's the what's the state of Miami football? What's going on down there? Oh, you know the state of Miami football. It, it, you, you call it a dumpster fire in the intro. So, <laughs> and that it might be even kind right now. Uh, listen, there was always expected to be some growing pains. Not this many growing pains. There, there's there's something to be said for just how much off the rails this has gotten. Um, it hasn't been good top to bottom, from coaching down to player down to play calling down to player personnel. There has not been a bright spot to point to and say, oh, this at least this thing has been good. There really isn't. I mean, I guess it's recruiting that that in amidst this four game losing streak, they still have all 17 of the recruits that they had before this four game losing streak. That's the only thing that you can point to um, as a positive. It, It really has been disappointing, to say the least. The offense looks abysmal. The defense looks slightly less than abysmal, but still pretty bad. (laughs) um it's just there's there's no real bright spot here what what's mario been saying what is he what i mean of course he's going to give coach speak we get it but what what is what is the does he giving you any root problems of what he really thinks is some issues yeah i mean you get the the typical things that this is a rebuild he pointed to the fact that oregon was four and eight um you know one point when he was doing his rebuild you know left out the fact that they were nine ten win team (laughs) perennially before that um but but yeah I I think that that from Mario's point of view listen this is a man that in his entire four years at the University of Miami as a player never lost a single home game and now he's lost three in a row so you know he is probably just as if not more frustrated than every single person combined so I, I I think it's a little unfair to say oh well he doesn't care he's just in it for the paycheck and he wanted to come home. It's not the case here. Mario right. is in this for the long haul. He wants to get it right probably more than anybody. He wants Miami to be a football school probably more than anybody. I, I, and I'm using the word probably probably incorrectly there because he <laughs> wants it more than anybody else. Um, and it, it just, you know, there, there are some questions as to, you know, whether he made some of the right hiring moves that, that probably will be addressed in the offseason, um, whether his own game management is as good as he thinks it is um, in in terms of some of his play calling and and his decision-making, especially when it comes to, you know, timeouts, things like that, timeouts, things like that. Yeah. That have gotten a little frustrating. So 
Um, listen, this, this is this is a marriage. I, I always like to go back to that. So there's going to be highs and lows. It's a shame that a marriage started with this rocky start, but the hope is that it winds up being a fruitful relationship. It seems like to me the biggest disappointment's been the quarterback play. I mean, the the, the expectation was Van Dyke was going to take a big step. He was going to be the reason why they won. That's not been the case. I, do you sense? Do you sense that this could be the end of the road for Van Dyke at Miami? where he could potentially transfer. Yeah, well, I actually didn't, he probably would turn pro before he transferred, I, okay. I would think, but um I, I don't know. I Tyler has had a very interesting career. He came in and sort of was this saving grace player um and then from there it's kind of been not great. He's blamed fans. He's gotten, you know, he he, he has said some things that rubbed a lot of the the people the wrong way. Right. Um, didn't really take a lot of responsibility for, for some of the mistakes in the beginning of the year. Uh, he started to improve. Uh, it looked better against UNC. It, it didn't need to look great. It looked okay. Right. Um, and, and just, you know, there, there's something different this year with him that just you, nobody's been really able to put their, their, their foot on or finger on the pulse, I guess. Right. Um, it, it, you know, he got hurt in the last game and, and probably won't be out, uh, won't be there um for this weekend at least um and, and that means that jake garcia comes in another true freshman that was supposed to be the saving grace that really looked like a true freshman in that second half against duke with all the turnovers and yeah. everything uh, you know really sort of looked lost and the playbook was very very limited for him um he he tries to make some things that you know sort of you need to remind the kid hey you're not you're not in high school anymore you can't make that throw and he got <laughs> caught out a couple times on that Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, quarterback was never supposed to be the issue with this right. team, right? right? So that's a little bit of a, a challenge when that's thrown your way. The receivers were going to be an issue for this team, and they haven't helped out. Injuries in the running back room have not helped out. The offensive line can't block, you know, a, a, a light pole right me now. And you. So, can't block me and you. Yeah, so uh, that's never going to help. Um, and, and so, which is which is odd because – while that has been Miami's bugaboo for decades, it's Mario's bread and butter. So, right. So schematically, um, it's that's right. more of a schematic thing, I think. So yeah. So I, I think once he gets his guys in, then okay. then maybe that'll be a little better. Um, they're undersized along the line. Uh, that doesn't help. Yeah. So I mean, really, the, the one bright spot is the tight ends. They got great tight ends, but that's that's <laughs> a, that's so specific that like I don't know how many wins you're gonna get with a great tight end room. All right, let's transition to the pro game. Let's go to the Dolphins. A little more hope there. Tua comes back. We celebrate the 50th anniversary of the perfect season, Sunday night against the Steelers. Mike McDaniel, how about kicking a field goal when you're up sixth, late third quarter? So you don't have to stress the whole fourth. Pittsburgh wasn't scoring two more times, I don't think. Kick the field goal. These guys are killing me that go for it on fourth and three from the 15-yard line when you can go up two scores. I mean, what are yeah, these guys so the, what is he doing? The, the funny thing there is that's the rare time where the analytics tell you kick the field goal. Yes. Like, you, we, we always go to the uh, analytics now and we always say, oh, it tells you to go for it on fourth down so much. That's one of the rare times where it would say your odds of winning improve if you kick the field goal. So for, for a guy who is so new age and, and into that stuff, a little bit of a surprising call. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was the first, we talk about the Canes and, and rookie quarterbacks well this is the first time he looked like a rookie head coach yeah, um yeah. It, it it wasn't a well called out game he still is an amazing play caller especially yeah. on offense i mean yeah. it, it's it's next level with him 
Um, but yeah, you're right. It, they should have gone up two scores. It would have, you know, helped the blood pressure uh, in South Florida a lot. Um, th- that's a type of game, though, that the Dolphins are going to get three or four of those in the year that that are going to make them a dangerous team because they have such a good defense that that Tua doesn't need to go crazy for four touchdowns in the fourth quarter all the time. Right. They can win a game like that and look fairly solid. And you go, how, how do the Dolphins just control a 16 to 10 game like that? That's the type of game that's going to make them a, a dangerous team come later on in the season. They've got a doable schedule his next month. Tua comes back. Again, he looked good. I give him credit for running because everybody says, don't run, don't run, don't run. And two different times he stuck his shoulder in right into the defender on a running play. And I know he doesn't, they don't want him doing that. I get it. But I'll give him credit for doing it to, to get that mental block probably for him. It was probably more for him to do it for himself than anything else because, because again, nobody wants to see him run. We get it but uh, for what he's gone through. But for him, I'll give him credit for doing it. Yeah, I agree. I, I still think that, and he's been very honest about this the whole time that, you know, that a lot of the the concern is nice, but he still has a career to play. And yeah. and he doesn't want this to be defining of him. You know, people were telling him to quit football and he's right, out right. here saying, I don't know what you guys, I had one concussion and it didn't look great, but you know, like, I, so he's, he's talked a lot about that. I think that he more than anybody probably wants to move on from this and get back to playing football, get back to being that sort of guy. And it's us that are keeping it in the ether right now for, for understandable reasons, but, sure. but he probably would like to just focus on the football. And if a play is to be made, he wants to make it. If he can stay healthy, they got a chance here. They got, they, with the weapons they have on offense and the defense is good enough. It's not tr- tremendous, but it's good enough. If he can stay healthy with McDaniel calling plays, I think they got a chance to be to, to be a serious wild card team. I, I agree with you, and and you know not for, for nothing they're they're doing it with you know third string cornerbacks right, right. now, the a linebacker room that isn't set. So um, the the really uh, you know Tyree Kill has been revolutionary to say the least, and you know forgive me for stating the obvious, um, but but he's going to challenge for the all time single season uh, receiving yards mark at this point. He's on pace for it. Yep. Um, and, and Jalen Waddle has had some drops here and there, but but it's still a, a tremendous wide receiver. So w- when you throw all that together, if they can fight a little bit of a running game, that might yep. be really nice. Uh, but but yeah, they, they have all the makings of a team in this modern NFL that that can challenge pretty much any team in the league. No, I agree. They still got they still got games with Buffalo. They got what one more game with Buffalo, right? Yep. Yeah, they got the, the one in Buffalo. They're Let's not going to. Sure the they're... sun isn't out for that game. Buffalo fans were very upset about the sun. In Miami in September, <laughs> they're not going to win the division, but they'll be they'll they'll definitely be in, in in serious play for that first or second wild card spot for sure in the AFC because I think they got a chance to do some damage if again if Tua can stay healthy and all that good stuff. All right, we're going to ask you a Marlins question, then we'll get to the, to some MLS. Any what's any any chatter about uh, Don Matting Don Mattingly's replacement with the Marlins? Yeah, they're saying that it's down to like four candidates. One of them, I think, probably the favorite is Skip Schumacher. Um, they're, but they're also saying that there's some sort of mystery candidate. I think Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald had that um, earlier this week. That I, I was trying to figure out who that possibly could be. Maybe Raul Abanez, but I think that he already interviewed. So um, I, I wouldn't imagine that he would be this like late-come mystery candidate. Um, and, and so I think that, yeah, they're, they're, they're narrowing it down. Um, I, I think probably by 
Thanksgiving time, even yeah. if I'm stretching it out that long, probably beforehand, maybe shortly after the World Series, they'll probably make an announcement. Yeah. What do you? What is the state of the? What is the? Is is it just malaise concerning the Marlins down there? Is there any enthusiasm at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah, malaise is a good word. I, they, there isn't really hope. I mean, you saw what Stanton was doing. You saw what, right? Like all, what what all was going on, and and the Marlins are stuck in this not even like mediocre purgatory like the Dolphins were for years. They're stuck in bad purgatory. They're stuck in 68, 72 win seasons. It, it's it's really. I mean, I guess Sandy Alcantara is where you look to for hope, right, but, right. but you know, you, you have to have some offense around them. That offense was absolutely abysmal this year. And, you know, you're, you're trying to sell an interesting product with boring baseball. It's not, it's not a great sell right now. Yeah. All right. Let's get to your, let's get to your wheelhouse. One of the things you really <laughs> enjoy is some MLS soccer, world cup soccer. Ian's the host and founder of the Heron outlet, which covers my inner Miami FC. Uh, they made their first playoff appearance this year in the playoffs. So congratulations to the to the um, to, to the Mr. David Beckham and company down there. Uh, how is that the whole Beckham ownership group? How is that taking taking on uh, life and legs down in South Florida as well? Yeah, they're, they're doing a very good job. I think that they're doing a very good job of not being celebrity owners, if that could be possible. Beckham does a lot of stuff behind the scenes and stays as much out of the limelight as possible. You know, they they sit in the owner suite and all that. Um, Jorge Mas is the, the primary owner and, and very involved in, in team, you know, day-to-day operations, which I think is good. They figured out a, a good uh, a good culture and a good strategy moving forward here. They, they were hit with the largest sanctions in the league history um, because they accidentally cheated, uh, giving a, a, an extra player uh, too much money. And they, they didn't do the bookkeeping right and broke the salary cap rules. So they're, they're under that. But the fact that they make the playoffs, even still, they have a good culture going. Um, you have a lot of the a lot of the fan base is very happy with the way things are going, given how tumultuous it was to start. I mean, it, every weird thing in the book was thrown at this team to start. So now that it's uh, settling down a little more, it feels like they even could, uh, if they were to get some of the stars that, that has been talked about that coming, they wouldn't be able, they wouldn't know what to do with them you know, two years ago. Now you saw what happened with Gonzalo Higuain, uh, an Argentinian legend yeah. um, who's now retiring. Um, they, they are in a much better place to be able to have some of these larger stars that they talked about in the beginning. What name? What names are they? Are there? Are there banting about about guys coming? Yeah, they're, they're, they like to throw you know stuff at the wall and see what sticks in the transfer portal all the time. There, there are rumors. All over the place. Obviously, Lionel Messi is the one that everybody has been talking yeah. about for since before the club even existed. Um, you know, Ronaldo obviously is allowed yeah. to come on a free transfer right now, so I, I have to mention them. I, I think there's someone in, <laughs> somewhere in my contract that requires it. Um, <laughs> but there, there are no, there are um, so, some big time players. Sergio Busquets has been rumored. Um, longtime Spanish midfielder, played yeah. at Barcelona. Yeah. Um, has been has been rumored in the offseason to to be interested if that's the case. And they, they have some great young stars. Leo Campana, who's on loan from a Premier League Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah. Um, they, they had the option to sign him if they so choose. I expect them to do that. And he'll be, uh, you know, an under 23 player for them. So it comes with special perks. Um, they have Bryce Duke, who is one of the top 23 players under 23 years old in the league this year. So they have some nice young talent that they're mixing in with it, too. All right, let's get to the MLS semifinals. We got LAFC and Austin. The cool thing about Miami is there's opportunity for expansion in young franchises to make runs. 
you know, Austin, Texas in their second year, I believe. They're in the they're in the conference finals out west with LAFC. You got Philly, and then you got NYFC. I think NYFCs who beat your Miami team in the first round. Talk about your your knowledge of those of those teams and what do you expect to see? Yeah, NYCFC are the defending MLS Cup champions, right? So this is um uncharted territory in the expanded playoffs that we have for a team to be making a back-to-back run like they, the, they are. Um, I, I really still feel like this is Phillies to lose. Um, especially given, uh, you know, the city of Philadelphia seems to have uh, have done sort of, a, a, yeah, a, a, um, something with the witch doctor to help them out. Um, so everything seems to be going up for that city right now. I, I think that the union are stacked top to bottom, which is amazing considering they spend probably less than almost every team in the league. Um, they've, they've done it really smart um, it, with how they put together that roster, their attack, the, the, the three up top, even with the former Inter-Miami guy, Julian Carranza, leading the way. They, they've been beating teams seven, six, nothing at times this year. It's really yeah. been a hammer lock on it. LAFC uh, would be the overwhelming favorites to go past Austin. Um, I, I think even though Austin did beat them in the two regular season meetings, um, I, I think that LAFC uh, is, is sort of wants to feel like this team of destiny. They would host MLS Cup final if they make it. Um, they have the stars. They feel like this is their time. They were the Supporter Shield champions yeah. uh, this past year. So uh, I really think that what we're and, – and, and even Austin, I can't leave them out. I mean, they have the MVP in, in Sebastian Juicy for, for my vote, at least. Um, and so you have these four teams that really are – MLS is sort of known for its parity all the time, that, yes. that the seven seed, the six seed can make a run toward the final. These are really the four best teams. And with the exception of Montreal, who NYCFC knocked out – these are the best teams in the league. This is this is a juggernaut of a semifinal. Probably the best semifinal we've had in at least the past decade, uh, just in terms of quality. These are great, great teams um, that any four of them is absolutely a worthy champion. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the coverage of MLS on FS1, ESPN, a little bit of ABC? Do you think they do a good job on the production side of things? Yeah, I, I yeah, I think the production side, yeah, and and the commentators who are, I mean, Taylor Twellman, uh, um, Stu Holden, the, these guys are are tremendously knowledgeable in, in the field, and and I, I think that they do a good job. The the part that I guess would be a little disappointing is you're going up against NFL football, right. you're throwing a, a, a you know, and you're doing it because the game's going to be on ABC, for example. You have the the Western Conference semifinal is going to kick off Sunday at three p.m. Eastern time. That that's a Western Conference semi that's kicking off at noon. Yeah, local time, right? Uh, and and it's going up against the NFL. Like you would hope that you could have figured out a better time for for that to be played. Right. Um, and, and so I think with the with the Apple TV deal that that kicks in next year, that'll be less of an issue because you're not dealing with broadcast partners like that. The only thing that you'd like to see is you know more coverage of you know first take, get up talking about it, right. by, you know, right. and and get a little more of that that discussion in the air um, to, to be able to go on a show like yours and be able to talk about it a lot more. What do you think of the app? Again, talk to the audience that maybe people I don't, maybe don't know MLS is going to, is it all Apple or is it just a portion of the schedule going to Apple? No, all, all games will be streamed on Apple TV. That means no local blackouts. So you could get any game at any time Okay, for on Apple TV. It's, it's a hundred percent accessible. You don't have to do a separate subscription. It's just with Apple TV. So no, no more ESPN or FS1. Nope. It's all, all well, they're, wow. they're working out a way to put some premier games on maybe on an ESPN or ESPN two or Fox sports one. But for the most part, every single game is on Apple TV. 
do you think that's going to be beneficial? Because again, that requires fans to have another subscription and it's, and it kind of limits the audience to some degree, especially come playoff time in your big moments. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting case study. That's for sure. They, they're going they're They're jumping in. They're the first ones to, to do this. And I think that, that for a sport like soccer, uh, their fan base is more, um, more comfortable handling something like this that, that I think lends itself to it. Most fans of MLS teams are also fans of a Premier League team or right. of a team in Europe that that are are used to having to get a, a streaming service, whether it be Peacock or whether it be you know Paramount Plus. Right. So they they they're, they're sort of accustomed to it already, which is I think helpful for them. Where the challenge will be, to your point, is is always bringing in new fans. It, it won't be over to, over the air terrestrial television um, that people are used to. So they'll need to search it out. And that always comes with it, an added barrier to creating new fans. I think the fans that they have, it'll be a, a seamless transition, but adding to that fan base uh, definitely comes with challenges. So less than a month away, World Cup starts in Qatar. Again, a very exciting time. They're going to this new format where they're playing over the Thanksgiving, basically from Thanksgiving to one New One time Year. only, one time right, only. Right, right. <laughs> But it's going to be an interesting part of the calendar because you're again you're going to be you're going to be competing against college football, the NFL, NBA. The cool thing is there's going to be games every day during the week, kind of deal. Just talk about what your thoughts are about that whole process and uh, of playing during the kind of the holiday time of the year here in America. It'll be fun, right? I, I mean, I I hope at least that that, that people enjoy it. It'll be very different. Um, it's completely messed with the international soccer calendar, right? Because we're we're stopping the middle of the season for this now, um, and, and teams have been all over the place. The one thing that you're going to unfortunately find that that is happening leading up to the World Cup is a lot of injuries, um, because teams just aren't used to having to navigate a condensed schedule like this. Right. Um, it, it it just is an unfair, un, unfortunate byproduct of of this situation, but. The World Cup is always fun. Um, you know, I, you, it comes with, yes, a, a lot of controversy because of it being in Qatar and everything that happened um, right. with human rights issues and safety issues and things that, that have been discussed and, um, you know, decency laws that, that are so-called decency laws that, that Qatar has um, that, that have really, I guess, put a little bit of a, a, a stain on this. Um, but, but yeah, the world cup is always going to be enjoyable once every four years and it comes to the U S next time. So, uh, I think that now that it's here, once the game start, everybody will get excited. Give me a little preview of the American team. I know Burr Halters, uh, you know, they've struggled the last few months, haven't played great. Just give give the audience a little preview of what you expect out of the American team and that, in that group with, where they got England, who, what are the other two teams in that England, group? Wales and Iran for now. So let's yeah. just get that out of the way. There is a large, <laughs> a large call right now to replace Iran um, in the world cup. I think it's very unlikely to happen due to their involvement with the war in Ukraine. Right. Um, I, I don't think, and, and the protests that are going on currently in Iran. Um, so just, we'll put that aside. I, yeah. I doubt anything happens there, but it is being talked about uh, for, for the Americans. Yeah, they, they they have a group that on paper you would say they should get out of. That being said, they haven't played like a team that is going to, um, especially in those last games, especially against Japan, yeah. which is probably the most indicative of what they're going to find at the World Cup. They didn't look great against Saudi Arabia either, though. So um, Berhalter loves his system. It is what it is. Um, it, he he lives and dies by it, and the Americans are, are most assuredly going to. Um, it, it is not... Uh, not always as um, 
appeasing to yeah. fans. Yeah. Uh, it is very rigid. Everybody. So the way that it, he sort of does it is he breaks the field up into nine quadrants, three in the top third, three in the middle third, three in the bottom third. And everybody's assigned into their quadrant. So you will see guys that will literally stop runs that they're making and then go back and you'll say, why, why, why'd you do that? <laughs> like, just keep going, man, keep going. Um, and, and so it, it will look very structurally organized at times, almost maddeningly organized um, against a team like England that could help them against a team like Wales that could hurt them. Um, and, you know, watch, watch out for Wales. I think that they're probably, if, yep. if anybody's going to steal the, the United States' lunch and, and get out of this group, it'd probably be England and Wales. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So where will you be? I mean, is this must watch? I mean, are you, you, you like me, I, I, I'll find a way to watch these games every single day during the tournament. Cause it's so, you know, it's just what time will the games be starting here? Typically there, the, uh, some start at eight. They'll go throughout the day though, into the afternoon. All the, all the U S games will be in the afternoon. And they typically play like, I think three games a day, typically it's eight noon and three, I believe. Yeah. So you'll be able to see that on, I think FS one is the exclusive provider there. So you'll be able to, whether it's Fox sports or FS one, you'll be able to catch all your games. Ian, great job, man. Keep up the great work down in the South Florida area. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah, at Ian Hest, I-A-N-H-E-S-T. And you you mentioned the Heron Outlet. We'll have a bunch of fun stuff going on with the Heron Outlet throughout the World Cup. So at the Heron Outlet on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Awesome, man. Keep up the great work, man. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Jason. Got it. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.